At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also chief of cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the chief population health officer at Baptist Health. About 23% of adults in the United States have arthritis. The associated joint pain and stiffness can make everyday activities difficult. So difficult, in fact, that 8 million working age adults with arthritis report that their disease limits the kind of work they can do. Some forms of arthritis can even affect multiple organs in the body, causing widespread symptoms. As part of Arthritis Awareness Month, I've invited an expert to the podcast to talk about symptoms, diagnosis, and the latest information on what can be done to manage arthritis. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Alan Saperstein, an orthopedic surgeon with Baptist Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Institute. Thanks for joining us, Alan. Pleasure to be here. So, Alan, um, just to get the conversation going, um, you know, arthritis is a, a broad term and many people refer to it, but what, what are the signs and symptoms of arthritis? So, osteoarthritis, or arthritis for short, is a disease that affects joints. Joints are where bones come together. It's where we get movement in our body. Examples of some of the joints in our body are knees, shoulders, hips. Um, arthritis is degeneration of the cartilage that lines these joints. And when you get that degeneration, your first symptom is typically pain. Uh, other symptoms are things like swelling, loss of range of motion, stiffness, uh, and loss of function, inability to, to do your normal activities of daily life or engage in sports or other, other fun pursuits because of limitation of motion and, and pain. So the degenerative arthritis, the osteoarthritis, like we're talking about, the most common forms of arthritis, do you ever see the other symptoms without pain or you know, the, 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 the loss of motion, et cetera? Or is pain really the, the main driver? Something hurts yeah. in that joint. I think the main driver of people coming to the doctor is pain. So, well, there are some people who are going to just have some loss of motion or swelling, stiffness. They usually don't get to me so much. By the time you're going to see sure. a doctor, usually you're hurting. So is the pain with movement? Is it with rest? Um, does it keep people up at night lying in bed? Or is it generally when you're trying to do something, the joint that's affected will hurt? So it's interesting. Classically, it's with movement because if the joint is at rest, why should it hurt? But that said, even though people feel it during the day when they're moving, when they're walking, a lot of people feel it when they go to bed at night. And it's almost like the damage that you've done to the joint during the day finally kind of uh, comes to fulfillment and you start to feel it at night. A big reason for that is you, you don't have a lot of sensory input when you're at, in bed at night. So you really can focus more on, on what you've been feeling all day, but has kind of been filtered out because there's so much other information coming into your brain. What are the, what are the risk factors of arthritis? What are the components that make someone more likely to develop arthritis? Yeah. So there's been a lot of research into this recently, and it actually appears that Somewhere around 50% of cases of arthritis are genetic in origin. We haven't isolated a single one master gene that is responsible for arthritis, but we have found a lot of genes, about 15 to 20 genes, that either increase the risk of arthritis or decrease the risk of arthritis. So your genetic makeup really goes a long way to determining whether or not you're someone who's going to get arthritis in various joints in your body. 
Um, that, that's fascinating that there's a genetic um, component. So does it run in families? Yeah, very much so. About, yeah. about half of cases are uh, clearly have a strong family history of arthritis. Uh, now, we said it's, it's degenerative, so obviously it takes time to accumulate. So age would be a component as well. But do you see true arthritis, the, the, the wearing down of the joints, as you say, in, in relatively younger people? So osteoarthritis, which is, again, more that wear and tear arthritis, you seldom see in patients before they hit maybe the mid-30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, you do see the inflammatory arthritis, which is a whole different class of diseases, uh, um, really a, a class of autoimmune diseases. Right. That type of arthritis you may see in younger individuals. You can frequently see it in children, actually. Um, but for most people, it's really a disease of aging. Osteoarthritis. So actually, I, I remember this. Let's, let's clarify that for a second. We're talking about osteoarthritis, the degenerative condition, wear and tear, and then an inflammatory kind of arthritis, which can happen in younger people and have more significant um, uh, components to it, right? The two different, two different kinds of arthritis, right? Right. Those inflammatory arthritises are things like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or psoriatic right. arthritis. Right. And, and those are really lifelong diseases that can present young or, or in middle age. So going back to the degenerative arthritis, um, is it fair to say if someone has some pain, they may have arthritis, but they also may have pain and it's not arthritis, whether it be in a hip or a shoulder or a, sure. a knee? Yeah. Sure. I mean, they're in each joint, uh, each joint has its own specific architecture and the specific structures, uh, both bony and soft tissue. Uh, and not everything that causes joint pain is arthritis. In the shoulder, more often uh, shoulder pain is due to tendonitis or bursitis, uh, but sometimes it can be arthritis. Uh, so, in so joints, though, it's a little more common for it to be arthritis. So when should people see a doctor and uh, when should it escalate past, say, a primary care doctor to more of an orthopedic specialist? Is there any, any so, rules, any, any recommendations in that area? I know it's sorry. obviously broad. So it's really very much an individualized decision about when you feel enough is enough that you want to, you know, have some some professional help. Um, I think when it starts to really interfere with your quality of life, where you're uh, using medication on a frequent basis, whether even if it's over the counter type of medication, where it's keeping you from doing activities that you want to be doing, I think that's the time that you reach out you see a physician. Um, Many patients will go directly to uh, a musculoskeletal specialist, and, and in my case, an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, many will see their primary care doctor first, and the primary care doctors will frequently treat with medications or physical therapy, um, sometimes even with injections. Uh, but um, usually when it gets any deeper than that, they, they will refer patients to an orthopedic surgeon or other musculoskeletal specialist. Is there a relationship between heavy physical activity, uh, whether it be um, uh, heavy runners, do they get more arthritis in their, their lower extremity joints or high impact exercising? Is that, or is that a fallacy? Yeah. So that's, that's actually an excellent question. There was a study a few years ago that showed that actually runners have a lower incidence of knee arthritis than the general population. <laughs> but the one thing we do know about high impact loading activities like running is that if you already have arthritis in a knee or a hip, and you continue to run, you will hasten the progression of the arthritis. But if you don't have it already, it's okay to run. Does weight make a difference? Do you find arthritis worse in or worsens in people who may be uh, overweight, especially in the hips and the knees and so, other joints? Yeah, there there is a relationship, and they have there are several studies that show that there is an increased risk of 
hip and knee arthritis in overweight patients uh, and certainly more rapid progression of arthritis in, in overweight patients. So, yes, weight loss in terms of so, the preventive modality is, is important. So if someone has arthritis, again, hip, knee, shoulders, the, the larger joints, is it guaranteed it's going to get worse over the course of their life or then they come to see you? And what can you recommend to them uh, in terms of either preventing progression, making the pain better? And then certainly the other question would be, when would surgery be indicated? Uh, and what are the, you know, what are the advancements in that area? So, so is it definitely going to get worse or is it something that could be stabilized? No, um, so not every case progresses. Many, many cases of arthritis will progress over time, but I've also seen many cases where, you know, over the course of decades, really nothing progressed. Um, there are no clear-cut ways of preventing progression. Uh, we, of course, for lower extremity arthritis, we recommend against high impacts, so no running, no jumping, uh, because we know those things make it worse. If someone's overweight, we do recommend weight loss, because again, that being heavy does increase the risk of progression. Uh, but we don't have any drugs uh, or other modalities that can stop it in its tract. And, and again, I'm talking about degenerative osteoarthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis, the inflammatory arthritis is a different story. There, there are drugs that may modify the disease. But osteoarthritis, we can't really modify the disease. As a result, our treatment modalities are really treating the symptoms for the most part. Everything we do, whether it's medication or injection or physical therapy, really are treating the symptoms of, of osteoarthritis to try to keep the patient from progressing to the point where they need an operation to really resolve the problem. So you've mentioned uh, uh, appropriately certain things one can do in their lifestyle to uh, alleviate some of the symptoms and certainly slow the progression, like like you know, lose weight and avoid very high impact um, activities. Um, let's start with uh, from a scale standpoint what people can do. Um, lots of lots of advertisements out there for arthritis medications. Um, are there any supplements or medications that can improve arthritis, especially degenerative, um, um, that have been shown to improve that, other than pain relief, which again, there's lots of things out there which we clearly understand could improve pain. So really, no. <laughs> really, the answer, the answer to that is no. The, you know, the most popular supplement that's been used is glucosamine uh, and chondroitin. And there were some landmark studies a few years back that really patients on that medication uh, in randomized controlled studies did no better than than placebo group. So uh, that which means if you if you give someone a sugar pill and say it's chondroitin, they'll say, "Holy cow, I feel great!" And yeah. it, it wasn't. It was the the, the idea of, of taking something. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are some turmeric, which is a natural uh, supplement, does have some uh, some benefit in terms of symptomatic relief. Uh, so there is, you know, for my patients who really are looking for something natural and stay away from a, something that's a, a, a medication, turmeric mimics the anti-inflammatory medications in terms of pain relief. So that can be of some benefit, but it, again, does not modify the actual disease process. Sure. How about over-the-counter um, anti-inflammatories, the ibuprofens and the yeah. uh, not and what have, when, when do they come into play? So I usually try to stop patients with Tylenol first, only because the safety profile, I feel, is a little bit better. A lot of patients don't tolerate the anti-inflammatories because of uh, stomach upset, reflux, uh, and ulcers. Uh, and then many patients have reasons they can't take those, because those that class of medication because they have coexisting medical problems like renal disease or cardiac disease uh, that may preclude it. 
so I tend to start with Tylenol, which can be very effective. Uh, but in those patients who don't respond to Tylenol, if they're not, you know, if they have no reason, you can't, they can't take an anti-inflammatory. I find a leave works as well as any of the other anti-inflammatories. Uh, and that's usually my, my go-to anti-inflammatory, but any of them really are acceptable. Um, are there, do you ever prescribe doses beyond the over-the-counter dosing of those medications, the anti-inflammatories? Does that come into play? Yeah, Obviously, sure. there may be a risk, but you know, when, when, do you, when would you use that? Yeah, I, again, the risk associated with anti-inflammatory medication, whether we're talking about kidney risk or cardiac risk, is generally dose-related. So the more you take, the, the higher your risk of complications. And that's why I don't usually start with the prescription strength. But if somebody gets some relief from an over-the-counter NSAID, I'll frequently go to a prescription NSAID, which is an uh, a higher dose equivalent. Uh, but again, with the understanding, there are some risks associated with that. Take a pause for a second and um, talk a little bit about, you know, an acute injury versus arthritis. Let's say someone goes out and does um, plays basketball for the first time in a while, and then the next day their hip is sore or their knees are sore. Um, what would you recommend to that individual both to confirm it's not true a degenerative condition? I guess time tells. But did they put heat on it? Did they put cold on it? What, what do you tell people to do when they've uh, overused a joint um, uh, for relief? Yeah. So, I mean... I think the first, usually the first thing you'll do if you have a sore joint after playing something you haven't played in a while is you ice it down and you rest and you see what happens. And, and you know, for 90% of cases, things get better. And I'm, I'm not talking about the situation where you were playing basketball and you jumped and landed and twisted, hurt a pop, it swelled up immediately and you came out of the game. That's a different entity. That's, the, that's an acute sports injury where you have to start looking for injuries to cartilages and ligaments. You're talking, I think, more about the person who plays and plays the whole game, but that the next day they're hurt. Right. Um, right. And again, if it's something new, you know, usually icing it, resting it. Uh, if it's something that persists beyond a few days, then it's something maybe you want someone to take a look at. Uh, and that would be, you know, the time to come into my office and, and just have a good examination, maybe take an x-ray. Um, obviously, if it's something that's happening on a recurrent basis, then that does bring up the question, is this an arthritic joint? Uh, and certainly the x-ray would be the way of, of, of determining that. Um, want to finish up with some questions regarding surgical interventions and new treatments. Before I do, you mentioned um, quite well the difference between the inflammatory arthritis and the degenerative arthritis. I know with the inflammatory arthritis, we generally see swelling and redness and warmth in the joint. Do you see that with the osteoarthritis and the degenerative joint disease as well? Um, you can. Uh, having swelling in a joint is a very common finding in an arthritic joint. Uh, swelling is also a common symptom of other types of joint damage. So to me, a swollen joint is, is really an important finding on physical examination. Um, the inflammatory arthritis almost always swell, whereas the degenerative arthritis sometimes swell. Um, in terms of redness, that usually you don't see so much redness with, with arthritic conditions. Uh, redness always is usually when I see redness, it's because someone's been icing their knee tremendously. And okay. Right. Change color because of that. Uh, patient induced, patient induced redness. Right. Yeah, that's the most common reason. The other thing one thinks about with redness is infection. Um, so that's always in the back of one's mind. But you don't see that so much with with an with an arthritic uh, a joint for any reason. And warmth. So, the last thing you mentioned was warmth. You know, warmth is very non-specific. Uh, 
sometimes just want to suggest to me that there's increased blood flow to the area. So yes, it can accompany an injury or, or an arthritic condition because your body's bringing more blood in there to try to repair the damage. But it's, it's very nonspecific. So it's not a terribly helpful finding on examination. Understood. Appreciate that. So um, very interesting, osteoarthritis, degenerative joint disease, um, genetic component, which is fascinating and, and, and not well realized, worse with wear and tear and age, worse with being overweight. Some of the interventions could be to lose weight and decrease the progression of arthritis. Um, no real supplements uh, that have been proven to be um, um, beneficial, but maybe turmeric for symptom relief. Anti-inflammatories can help. So now it's either someone whose needs improved function without pain or just the pain is unbearable, comes to see you, all those things have failed. When do you decide there's a surgical option? And and second part of that is, what are the improvements you're seeing in the surgical approach towards arthritic joints? Sure. So, um, you know, the every joint is a little bit different, but probably the most common uh, arthritic joint I'll see in my practice will be a knee. Uh, knee arthritis is extremely common. Uh, and again, all those conservative modalities can keep people going for a while, but comes a point where people can't live with the pain. And the surgical options for an arthritic knee, for the most part, are replacement options. Uh, back 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when arthroscopic minimally invasive surgery came out, many of these arthritic knees were treated with arthroscopic cleanouts. But I think we've come to discover many years ago that that's really not a terribly helpful surgery in the long run. It might help for six months, but it really doesn't buy people uh, that much time. And so for the most part, if one's doing surgery, it's a replacement. Most of the time when we're replacing the knee, we're doing a total knee replacement, which means basically resurfacing each of the three bones in the knee with metal or plastic components such that now you've gotten rid of the arthritic cartilage and diseased bone underneath it and replaced it with these metal and plastic surfaces. And those surfaces can move smoothly one on another without friction and thereby reducing pain. Um, knee replacement, as I said, usually total doing all three bones, but occasionally the arthritis is just limited to a single area in the knee. We will do a partial knee replacement or a unicompartmental knee replacement, that's called. I'd say that might represent 10% of knee replacements that, that I do are unicompartmental. Um, knee replacement, or, as well as hip replacement for that matter, or shoulder replacement, are really uh, dramatically successful operations in terms of getting rid of pain. Uh, they really uh, turn people's lives around and really get them up and moving and comfortable and doing the things that they want to do. Uh, with relatively low complication rates. Um, over the years, each of the joints has gone through gradual, steady improvements in terms of how we perform those surgeries to make them a little bit more effective and a little bit easier to recover from and a little bit more likely to be um, complication-free and a little bit more likely to last for a longer period of time. Um, but uh, there, there was never one dramatic change in how these surgeries are done. It's just been more a gradual evolution. Oh, I remember in my training, you know, people would be in the hospital for days, if not a week after a hip replacement and sometimes even after a knee replacement. But nowadays, a lot of these are even being done outpatient, right? 
Yeah. I mean, our, our standard now for most joint replacements is one night stay in the hospital. But I've been doing maybe about 10, 15% of these patients outpatient where people go home the same day. Um, and this really compares. When I started practice, it was about a three or four day stay after a joint replacement. And I remember in training, it was even longer than that. So you're right. It's, it's really- I'm a, I'm a little older. I'm a little older than you. <laughs> just a little. I just maybe, yeah, it, it has changed quite a bit. Um, you know, and a lot of that has to do with really are is not as much with the surgery as with the anesthetic techniques that sure, are used now. Sure. Um, we use nerve blocks, which basically numb up the joint and the limb postoperatively for a few days. And that really helps people get over what would have been the worst period of time after the surgery. And, and it's fair to say we're using much less pain medications because of the simpler surgery and the better anesthesia. There is a recuperation and a rehabilitation component. But as you're saying, the long-term outcomes to take these people who are really going to be spending the rest of their lives in pain and seeing these significant improvements in their quality of life is uh, substantial. Um, so, um, again, great information, um, both in terms of, uh, again, the difference between the degenerative arthritis, the more common um, components, as well as the inflammatory one, which generally requires a broader medical assessment and treatment. Um, lots of information regarding treatments, options, and I think one of the take-home points I got is, you know, go to your doctor, go to an orthopedist where appropriate customize the treatment towards your needs. There's no one size fits all, whether it's medications or therapy or uh, injections or, or surgeries. Um, and certainly at uh, Baptist Health um, um, Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Institutes, we've got the expertise across the spectrum for uh, all the joints that uh, that may wear out over time, <laughs> so to speak. Any any final comments, any, um, any thoughts or anything we missed that you want to bring up um, um, before we wrap up? No, I mean, I would just say probably the uh, the the biggest regret I find from patients who you treat for arthritis is that they didn't come in and start addressing it sooner. I mean, there are quite a few patients that I'll see that will come in and, and will just have horrible disease in a, in a, a knee or a shoulder or, or a hip. And I'll say, well, who's been taking care of you? And they'll say, oh, I've never seen anyone for this. You're the first. And, and I look at the x-ray, I'm like, I can't imagine how that's possible, but it's what it is. So uh, just, you know, get things looked into. If something bothers you, come in and have someone take a look at it and at least know where, know where you stand. Um, it's okay if there's not, not a whole lot to do and not a whole lot wrong. It's, it's okay to just say you're doing fine. Don't worry about it. But um, I, I think get checked out. Great advice. Um, again, uh, uh, Dr. Alan Saperstein, I appreciate, uh, appreciate your time and your expertise. Um, you as usual, Yep. As usual, I'd like to encourage all our listeners to take a moment to give this podcast a five-star rating on whichever platform you listen to us on. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.